This is Dan DeMarco, and you are listening to Across the Board on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Mike Flanagan, and you're listening to Across the Board on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Greg Gilchrist, and you are listening to Across the Board on the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to Episode 23 of Across the Board, a podcast that focuses on corporate governance, boards of directors, and management of strategic risk. Today, I have back with me podcast favorite, Amy Bernard Bond. She is a strategic advisor to boards of directors and executive coach to many C-suite members. She specializes in accelerating the success of C-suite executives and partners with leaders and teams to help scale their businesses. She has shaped many company cultures and strategic initiatives as an executive at a Fortune 20 company, smaller businesses and nonprofits, and leading multiple functions, including human resources, legal IT, communications, and compliance. Today, we take a look at the ongoing turmoil at Tesla around its founder and CEO, Elon Musk, and his now infamous funding secure tweet from the corporate governance perspective. Some of the topics we discuss are what should be the role of the board of directors at Tesla going forward, what type of board chair is needed to make the board truly independent, why a compliance professional needs to be named to the Tesla board, how does either the board or the company get control of Elon Musk's personal Twitter account, particularly given his most recent tweet about the SEC, do his other actions, including long-term lack of sleep, smoking uh, marijuana during a public appearance, and calling the leader of the rescue of the Thai Boy Scouts a pedo, give rise to other concerns the board should address? And finally, should Musk have a seat on the board of directors going forward? This podcast will help you understand as a board member your role and your role going forward in this type of situation. Across the Board is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. Today, I have back with me Amy Bernard Bond. Uh, Amy is a well-known corporate governance uh, expert. She helps boards understand not only their roles in corporate governments, but corporate governance, but also in compliance and risk management. So, Amy, with that introduction, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Thanks, Tom. Happy to. Amy, this... Uh, the theme of this podcast is something I've wanted to ask you for quite some time, so let me just put it out there. What are we going to do with Elon? <laughs> I think the world yeah. is wondering that, yeah. And when, uh, when we uh, last week, when we uh, discussed the scheduling of this podcast, and uh, we had an SEC action against him to strip him of the right to be an officer of a public company. Um, apparently, a uh, the settlement fell through at the last minute. Uh, I'm extraordinarily pleased to report that cooler heads prevailed, mm-hmm. and the settlement was reached over the weekend. So at least we don't have that hanging over our heads, or perhaps more appropriately, the shareholders of of Tesla having that hanging over their heads. But it really doesn't solve the problem that or any of the answers to the uh, potential answers to the questions I had. So. Um, with uh, there have been certain changes that the uh, SEC settlement mandated at the board level, I certainly hope we can uh, go about those. The uh, the role of uh, Musk himself in the company. I know you have some uh, some pretty uh, clear thoughts about uh, his his value to the company and how uh, he really uh, uh, interacts with the company. So maybe I can start with the uh, maybe we can start with the role of the board. 
What do you see the role of the board going forward, particularly in light of the SEC mandated changes? Well, great question, Tom. I think that you know, just backing up boards in general just need to be responsible for for stewardship with the company and making sure that they're well uh, situated to get the funding they need, to have good governance in place, to take uh, exciting risks that make sense and to avoid unrewarded risk. And we've seen a lot of that happening, unfortunately, at the hands of, of Elon here. And so that's going to be a part of the, I hate to say it, but kind of babysitting um, that they'll, they'll probably need to take a more active role in. Um, you know, there's been a lot going on for some time with Elon. There have been a lot of signs uh, of burnout or of not managing impulses or poor judgment. But with the uh, you know, legal violations coming in and the DOG and S- DOJ and SEC uh, interactions, I think that's created the opportunity for the board to really step up. He has... I think it's nine members on his board and has, has been criticized in the past for not having a very independent board. You know, his brother's on the board and some other close friends. It's nine people on the board, himself being one of them and being uh, the former chairman, now not, but, and then a 22% shareholder. So I think the role of the board um, going forward needs to be both around uh, the financial risks of the company. You know, they've settled the SEC, which, as you've said, is a is a great move, and that a lot of um, people who are even more expert than I am on this say that it was a pretty sweet deal um, in terms of of what he got. And I think him stepping up quickly probably contributed to that, as opposed to being defensive. Or you and I have both seen how how that works. If you cooperate, um, and, and you were wrong, you tend to get a better deal if you uh, step up, admit it, and move on more quickly. Now they still have. The uh, the, the uh, DOJ case is still pending for criminal fraud. It'll be interesting to see uh, whether they soften up after the SEC settlement. The bigger issue, though, for the board, too, is a true financial risk around the investor class lawsuits that are all coming their way. There are a lot of investors that lost big money in the market volatility following his Twitter statements. And you know, as part of the settlement, both Musk and Tesla have to pay $20 million in fines, which is, which is going to be used to mollify investors. But uh, I know we expect the plaintiffs to push for even more funds. And, you know, for a guy with the net worth of Musk, which is last rated around $20 billion and the 46th richest person in the world, $20 million is, is like a parking ticket um, to potentially you and me, Tom. So what about the board chair? Um, one of the mandates is to have a, a new board chair come in, a truly independent board chair. Do you think they should reach for someone like a Warren Buffett, someone perhaps who's run a Fortune 500 company outside the auto space? Should they go internal? Or is there another calculus that you would put on the uh, uh, at least a search for a new chairman? Yeah, great question. Boy, I wish they could get Warren Buffett. <laughs> He and, he and Elon would be a very powerful combination, I think, uh, with, with Warren's judgment and down-to-earth sensibility and, and Elon's genius and innovation. Um, that, that being said, I'm supposing that's not likely to happen. Um, I think, you know, boards have to keep an interesting tension between um, healthy rapport and respect and the ability to get decisions made, not unlike, say, Congress, 
but they also need some tension so that the uh, tough things can be said, so there's some honesty and there's a, a healthy challenge to decisions to really get the best of everyone in that. So they need to search for someone who's really well qualified that the other board members are going to trust and respect enough, but someone who's truly going to be independent or, as you and I know, there's really not going to be any change. Um, you know, with Elon being on the board and being CEO, there's going to be a tendency for them to bring in an insider that where they have a comfy feeling about it, um, which then would mean things wouldn't really change. So they need to kind of aim, walk the line in the middle, in, in my opinion, and trying to try to find someone who will speak truth to power, um, but who will um, also try to get along and has tremendous influencing. Um, and gravitas, I think that that the stock would improve significantly because with every one of these erratic moves that Elon has made, the, the stock has dropped. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. Right. The uh, one thing I really advocate, Amy, is that there be not a compliance resource to the board, but compliance specialists on the board. And I really mm. see this as a prime example. Um, something as basic as compliance would generally say, yes, we can do it legally, but we shouldn't do it. Or yes, just because we can do it, should we do it? And they ask those types of questions. Would you also advocate a compliance specialist on the board? Do you mean having a board seat, Tom, or being an advisor to the board that would attend a report to the board? I mean, having a board seat, a compliance specialist. I think it'd be amazing. Um, I, I think it's something that I, my hope that there's a trend towards that, actually, because I think compliance professionals have a unique skill set. I've long been an advocate of, of including them more on boards because they have cross-functional expertise. They they know the business really well, um, and they know how to get up to speed quickly. They know how decisions are made. And as you know, we always have to be influencers and, and uh, kind of the conscience of the company. So that would be very helpful. And they have to appoint two new board members, I believe, as a part of the SEC settlement. So this would be an opportunity for them to do that. Um, they're clearly lacking, you know, any overarching ethical culture, Sherpa, if you put it, which I think is, is what you're getting at. And um, I think it'd be extremely helpful. If they'd had that, you have to, if you run through all of the mishaps that have happened, um, you, you have to think that perhaps that would have helped. The only thing that, that's a bit of a challenge, I think, though, is Elon's personal style and this this uh, impulse control with Twitter specifically, which we've certainly seen with other leaders um, uh, and, and the, the fallout from that, is the challenge. And so they have to have a little bit of a slow down to go fast mindset, I think. You know, they, he needs, he and, and I don't know if it's the board really that's a problem. It seems to be really Musk, but they need a coach to, to give them pause to think and not give in to his impulses when he, when he has some brilliant idea like, you know, taking the company private with the Saudis or, um, you know, smoking some pot on a, on a webcast. Not, not a great idea as CEO of a publicly traded company. Let me see if I can break some of those down because I think uh, there's several different issues at play here. And let's start with a Twitter account. Mm. And now this, the, the tweet uh, that we've been referencing here where he talked about going private and had secured funding was his personal uh, Twitter account. It was not a corporate tw Twitter account that he controls. So one, uh, you know, the board has to get control of his personal uh, Twitter account, and they have to um, 
or convince him that he has to have some sort of control over it. It's also the same Twitter account where he uh, accused the lead rescuer of the Thailand Boy Scouts as being a pedophile, um, which uh, is the subject now of a defamation lawsuit uh, by the person he accused of that. And that, uh, how, how would you advocate a board speak to a CEO uh, directly about uh, getting his Twitter account under control? Yeah, well, they've been very clear. The SEC has said that, that they have to implement mandatory procedures and controls to oversee all of Elon Musk's communications regarding the company made in any format, period. So they, happily, you know, from, from a compliance standpoint, they've been very clear around what needs to happen. Um, and if that doesn't happen, my guess is they'll go back to, you know, if something else happens, they'll go back to their earlier threat that uh, he was never going to be allowed to be the CEO of a publicly traded company or have a board seat. So the nice thing about that, I think, is there's some teeth in that, Tom. Um, you know, the, the original settlement, uh, the original proposal or prosecution was, was uh, threatening that. And so I'm, my hope is that, that Elon is paying attention to that and will understand that, that, he, that he needs to give up control on this. But, you know, in-house, I would think they need a compliance person and potentially a, a public relations person to review everything. And they literally probably should have control over his account. He could text what he would normally like to submit. They could quickly review it, put a process in place. And then when they approve it, they could post it for him. It's not uncommon for individuals of high profile or who are just super busy to give over their Twitter account to another professional to actually do the postings that are pre-vetted, pre-agreed upon by the individual. So it's still their voice, still their opinion. But clearly, as we've seen, when there are uh, shareholders and stock prices and and uh, personal reputations at risk from someone who's clearly shown a lack of uh, impulse control, um, it's important to have something like that. So that's what I would think they should do is just gain an agreement, say, hey, you know, we're, we're going to be the shepherds of your account. If you have a tweet, send it to us. We'll review it. If, if there's nothing wrong with it, we'll just go ahead and publish it right away. If there's a concern, we're going to come back to you with our concerns and let's chat about it. Well, that brings me to the to the next topic, which is uh, I think things that are perhaps a little different than Im- impulse control. Nevertheless, I find, if not disturbing, perhaps troubling is a better word. And you mentioned one which was uh, allegedly smoking marijuana on uh, publicly, I think, in a, on a publicly produced podcast. But also, frankly, the the lack of sleep. Uh, this has been the subject mm. of of a New York Times uh, or, or in a New York Times article. It's been commented upon by other professionals. Uh, and um, we see a series of personal actions, which uh, I would uh, believe c- could be the first signs of someone um, on their way to, to even a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's certainly um, uh, um, wildly deviating uh, behavior than we see from many CEOs. Now, um, you know, perhaps Musk does uh, inhabit a very rarefied space that uh, this is closer to normal for him. Now, you've worked in the Silicon Valley for uh, multiple years, and you've seen some very successful people, some very highly intelligent people, some very driven people uh, all come together 
And uh, I've certainly worked in those types of environments, but this uh, kind of personal behavior, personal actions, do you see, one, that is, is any pause for concern? And then, two, what does a board do about something like that? Yeah, well, I think it was exceptional when Ariana Huffington sent a public you know, intervention letter um, to Elon Musk. We read that again the other day, and it was really a, a call for help for him to have him please you know, respond. And of course, he, he reacted stoically saying, you know, you think I have a choice. I just got home from the factory. There is no choice. And Ariana Huffington has, has been a wonderful um, promoter of public health, given her own personal health crisis that came when she was burning herself out. And we've seen wonderful um, growth and expansion um, and gifts that she's had from, from changing her, her way of working hard. You know, he he is burning up. I just came from the Harvard Coaching Conference, and uh, Richard Boyatzis, who's a, an expert in this area of, of burnout, especially it happens in healthcare um, and in other areas. And and we literally, when we don't rest ourselves and don't regenerate and don't focus on things that are positive, we, we actually burn up um, our capacity for impulse control, for creativity, um, we call it burnout, but we really should call it burn up because um, that's physically what happens. Um, and, you know, he's creating legal risk. He's creating uh, reputational risk for the company. And I, I think there's a warning of severe health issues. There's just so many things that, that he's, he's done lately um, that, that are a problem. And so I think that that, that is cause for, for fitness concerns, really. So I hope that the board um, gives him some coaching. I don't know how you force someone to do that. I think that's the tough part. You can't force someone to be healthy. Um, you know, I have, it's interesting, I have seen some contracts, though. It comes up in the entertainment industry, which is another one of my clients. Sometimes if they have uh, a star that is going off the rails, either with drug abuse, they will literally write a contract to that person and say, you know, you need to do this, you need to go to this rehab, you need to stay sober, or we're canceling our contract with you. Now, that's the biggest analogy I can think of right now, Tom, to this situation. I'm not suggesting that Elon's that, that far gone um, at all, but there definitely are signs. He also tweeted, I don't know if you remember, but... He tweeted at one point that he had taken Ambien and, and drank some alcohol, and that really upset healthcare practitioners and doctors who advise strongly against that combination of alcohol and Ambien, which can be lethal. Um, so there's just example after example with him. He also doesn't like being criticized. So this is another, uh, there's the Thai rescue mission, the reason that he seemed to pop off and accuse uh, the guy who was a part of the cave expert team in, in Thailand was that the guy criticized his mini sub and that's when he called him a pedophile. And then he also founded after some, uh, the press criticized Tesla for factory safety issues and Elon reacted and created a website called Pravda where users could rate the truthfulness of articles and journalists. And I don't know how you feel about using a basically Yelp for news, um, but 
you know, again, just another reactive tendency around not wanting, not feeling attacked instead of just, you know, being a big boy. And if you lead, you're going to get criticized and you need to see leadership as a privilege and as a responsibility. And you respond with information. You, know, you, you don't attack back. You need to lead. And that's another thing that concerns me very much about, about Elon's um, tendencies. He's 47. Hopefully he has a long runway, but he's still got a lot to learn. Well, and that brings up another point I've wanted to visit with you on. We have touched upon this from time to time, and you have certainly seen this in uh, in your practice, where you have a truly exceptional founder, uh, mm-hmm. genius founder, um, people who can can uh, bend light rays. I think is uh, one of the descriptions of Steve Jobs. And those <laughs> they're they're few and far between. Nevertheless, uh, when they are in the right situation, they can create some really great things. But that is a very different skill than running a, literally a $350 billion valued corporation. And is it time or, or not, not particularly to, to Elon Musk, but um, how does one, how does a board, I guess it can only be a board, move that, that kind of person to uh, having a f- more fully creative role uh, that they are probably better at and less of a CEO and corporate governance where, uh, frankly, the details are very, very important. Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be an evolution, Tom. I think that it's challenging to find a role where you can harness the creativity. It's interesting what Mark Benioff has done recently. Um, of course, he, I think, has been an exceptional leader in many ways and has not um, and has uh, navigated difficulties that Salesforce has, and he's created a co co chair. It'd be interesting to think about whether there is someone that Elon could partner with that could free him up to um, to leverage all the amazing brain that he has. I mean, the guy has come up with eight companies or and growing. He has an AI company now um, that's dedicated to making sure that AI develops consistent with with humanity and with ethical principles there's a great fear of of the future in that in that sense so the the good intention is there um if i were his coach i would i would say let's sit down let's look at everything you're doing what energizes you where's your main contribution what do you really have to give to the world because it's considerable and what's the other stuff that maybe you don't do so well and let's let's get a partner and and navigate this and over the next year or so find that sweet spot where he's alive and healthy. Um, I mean, alive in terms of his creative genius and he can, he can leverage that for the good of society, the company, shareholders, his employees, um, and give up some of the stuff that's, that's draining him that he doesn't do so well. Um, that would be ideal. So let me end on this question, um, and I really don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but it gives us a, a way to explore kind of perhaps all of these themes we've talked about today, Amy, and this. Should Elon Musk uh, still retain a board seat on Tesla? Yeah, well, from a practical standpoint, he owns 22%, and so most people who own 22% of a company insist on having a board seat, especially when they're the founder and CEO. I think, I think you're asking should 
as opposed to will he. I think if there's another mishap, he may lose this. As we talked, the original SEC um, action sought to bar Musk from becoming an officer or director or hold, you know, any public CEO role potentially for life. Now he's he's at least for now pushed that aside. Um, so I think it's a wait and see. Um, in terms of should, if they can have an independent chairperson and create healthy checks and balances, as we've been discussing on this podcast, then I think it could work okay. I think it really depends on how self-aware is Elon, is he is he committed to the company's true success, or is his ego going to get the better of him, and is he going to is he going to fight to still retain control? How much how much can he can he give up here in order to gain so much more? He would gain so much more if he would give up some power right now, and and it would enable him. I bet he'd be surprised. It would enable him to just free up and focusing on that creative aspect. That's really the genius here. Well, Amy, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but uh, this has been a fascinating exploration of uh, hopefully the uh, concluding conclusion of the SEC case uh, against uh, Elon Musk and where Tesla takes it uh, from here. But I'm sure uh, the story will continue to evolve, and I'm sure we'll uh, continue to visit on this. So thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Across the Board. If you have any questions about any of the topics we discussed, you can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can reach Amy at amy at bernardbond.com. That's A-M-I-I at B-A-R-N-A-R-D-B-A-H-N.com. I hope you'll join us again for our next episode of Across the Board. Across the Board is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.